All right. Well, hey there, preachers. Today we're taking a look at uh, message number three in our four-week series called The Good Place. We've been talking about heaven and hell and everything in between. And Pastor Ross, you took the lead on this. Why don't we just start with the big idea on this message, me message three, which is titled Heaven, Fact, and Fiction. So give us kind of the big idea and where you're going with this. Right. So, you know, we talk about heaven a lot, but the question when we talk about heaven is, kind of so what? I mean, it can be hopeful, but but how does knowing about the future, our future life after this life, how does that impact our life now? And so the, the angle we want to take on it is that the reality of heaven changes how we live in this world now. It changes it for the better. Okay, so the outline for all of you who are preaching this out there, the outline, is there's four main uh, points here. It's real simple, Ross. I really like this. This is this. Uh, I'm excited about preaching this. It's First, you say you go between fact and fiction. You alternate between fact and fiction. Mm -hmm. So fact number one, heaven is real. Fiction number one, heaven is boring. Fact number two, I guess, heaven is what you were made for. And then the final fiction is that this world is your home. So, mm -hmm. Ross, before we dig into each one of those, I guess we should say that, you know, we're coming off of week one is about, you know, death. And we talk about death in the first week and the second right. week. The, la the previous week we talked about hell and so finally people are ready for heaven and they're ready to yeah. talk about this so is is there a hook that you're going to throw in there um in fact I, I will mention anyone who's preaching this live with us that this is uh this is going to be preached on mother's day isn't that right yeah that's one reason why originally we had scheduled this one as number two and hell as number three we decided it maybe wasn't the best uh choice pastorally to preach a hell message on mother's day well because it's mother's day not mother-in-law yeah exactly right? <laughs> so yeah so you could use that as your hook if you were really brave <laughs> i'm think i'm praying about that right now yeah. it depends if my mother-in-law's there <clears throat> right there's a lot of things i have a couple ideas for the hook and i might we use them both or might just use one of them and one of the ideas i have is that there's a lot of of um, interest in the last few years in the public about some of these people who have said that they had a vision of heaven. They went into a coma mm. or they died on the operating table, whatever, and they say they had a vision of heaven. And some of them have written books about that. And, and, and that gets kind of a buzz in the Christian world. Yeah. And so that, that shows how much public interest there is in the topic. And so I might, I might uh, muse on that just a little bit. And I also, I thought it was kind of funny. It was kind of clever. I looked up, just, I just Googled heaven and um, looked up, looked up on Google maps of all the different places that have the word heaven in their title. And so that gives us an idea of what our culture thinks of heaven. So you have heavenly ski resort, heavenly escape spa. You have a, a bowl of heaven smoothie bar, heavenly hot dogs. Uh, heavenly seed company so you have all these these ideas in our culture that says oh heaven means something that's really good or something that's like like exquisite to experience and so that kind of both of those kind of potentially get us into the topic by connecting it to popular usage okay let's go back to your first your first comment your first idea about um you know heaven is a real place kind of thing are you mm -hmm. gonna for for preachers out there who might open that can of worms yeah are you going what would you i guess how would you caution 
uh, preachers about that because I, I know some people feel really strongly, I would imagine, about that, that topic. Um, you know, in fact, I had one guy come up to me at church just a few weeks ago and gave me a book about, um, you know, some guy's vision of heaven. And right. as I'm, I'll, I'll just be honest, as I'm reading through it, I'm reading it with a skeptical eye, right? And so right. You'll, have, yeah. you'll have people who approach it like that. You probably don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater either. I, I, I don't know if someone's experienced that or not. So what would you say to a preacher about that? Yeah, I, I'm actually going to address that in the first point. Yeah. Where I'm going to talk about, you know, we say heaven is real. That's fact number one. Hmm. Um, and part of that is, well, how do we know that it's real? Or how do we know that this biblical idea of afterlife that we're talking about is real? And I'm going to say, well, it's because um, the Bible uh, tells us it talks about heaven a lot or talks about afterlife a lot. And so I'm going to say, you know, I don't know about somebody's vision or somebody's experience. That's not how I know heaven is real. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not how I know heaven is like. Maybe it really happened to them. Maybe it didn't. But if if it doesn't stack up with what the Bible says, then I can dismiss it. Um, so I'm going to really get, take the tack of number one, the Bible says it's real. The Bible describes it. And then I'm going to, the, the secondary kind of the uh, build up on that is I'm going to say, Jesus said it's real. Jesus describes it. Yeah, that's good. Which by the way, was kind of our approach in the last sermon about hell, which is that, mm. you know, you can, you can believe what you want to believe about it, but this is what Jesus believes about it. Um, right. And I'm with Jesus personally. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. Okay, so let's let's dig into that first fact then that that heaven is real. And I, I like that in your notes. And again, anyone listening to this, you can check out Ross's manuscript notes uh, in the sermon library at pursuegodnetwork.org. But you you bring in a statistic which I think is interesting. Yes, seventy four percent. And this is going to vary depending on what study you look at. But uh, in the ballpark of seventy four percent of Americans believe that there is a place called heaven. Yeah. And so I want to touch on that. I want to say, hey, there's something about every culture has an idea of the afterlife, wherever you go around the world through time. So there's something in the human heart that longs for this. It says this world is is not enough. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. But what is that more? And that's Mm -hmm. where we talk about, hey, well, the Bible helps us understand that there is more, but not just that, but but what it is. Mm -hmm. And so that that's a hook, again, kind of a hook to get us into saying, yeah, we all have this longing for more, but let's, let's talk about what that is. Yeah, and one of the things you're going to say here is that it's not just a, a mythical place that we make up to comfort grieving people. Because I, I know that there's probably some skeptics out there who say, yeah, you know, I'll smile and say he's in a better place, but I don't know if I really believe it. Right, right. So, so what, what do you think most people, I, I, just to, I always, when I preach a sermon, any sermon, but especially a sermon like this, what do you think most people, I, I don't know, what do you think most people really believe, like deep down about the afterlife? Would you say right. they I, yeah. really believe in a heaven or would they just really believe they just dust to dust when you die, you're done? I think most people really do believe in something mm. and um, now in our audience that we address, we have people coming from a strongly religious background. Yeah. And I expect that from their religious background, they're going to have a sense of, yes, there is an afterlife, but they might have a particular sense of that that might not be biblical. And then if you look around at our culture, you look at how the movies portray death and how the, you know, cultural 
um, icons portray the afterlife, that people do have this sense that, oh, he is in a better place, or oh, now, now she's going to be with her loved ones, or oh, my father is here. I, I know I can, he can hear me talking to him, you know, and asking him for advice. Mm-hmm. And so uh, our culture through media has given us a picture of some kind of vague existence after this world that, um, but, but it doesn't really describe it as a place necessarily. Okay, so then you're going to pivot here in this point to talk about what Jesus said about heaven. And there are probably some plenty of verses that you could use, but you're using something from John, uh, what is it, John chapter 14? John 14, yeah, one through three, where Jesus says, "Don't." He's, it's the uh, final night with his disciples before he goes to the cross. Yeah. So he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. And he talks about how he's going to prepare a place for them there. Now, at this point, I don't really want to go into all the details of the things that he's talking about there because I've got we've got a lot to talk about in four points. Yeah. There's a lot of things to cover. So I just want to touch on that. My main point here is not what heaven is like because there are more detailed places that describe that. My main point here is to show, hey, Jesus talked about heaven like a real place and he made real promises to his followers on that basis. So I'm really supporting the idea that that heaven is real. And then, and then that transitions you then into the next point, which is the fit one of your fictions. You say fiction, heaven will be boring. So what are you, what concept are you getting at? What popular concept are you getting at here with this point? Yeah, it's the idea that people say, well, I don't, I don't want to go to heaven. I'd rather go to hell because that's where the party's happening. (laughs) That's, that's where my friends are, are going to be. I don't want to go to heaven because our cultural picture of heaven is pretty insipid. And it's everything is white, you know, everything it's been scrubbed clean of anything of interest. Mm-hmm. And, and like we're depicted as sort of angelic cherubs floating around on white clouds, playing our little harps and and um, some kind of sort of um, androgynous angels, cherubs or something like that. So yeah. it, it, this picture is like, well, why would that be appealing, you know, to anybody who enjoys this life here and now? What would be appealing about, you know, an afterlife like that? And so we really want to take that on a little bit and, and correct those sort of cultural assumptions. And the whole point of this is really to say, what is heaven like? And this is where we really get into the characteristics of heaven that make heaven uh, appealing. Yeah, no, I have to admit here, I think I, for one reason or another, I grew up with that white picture of heaven until someone said, well, that kind of sounds like uh, an insane asylum, if you think yeah. about it, you know? And in fact, I had one time, I had a couple of Mormon missionaries come to my door and one of their appeals was, why would you want, why would you want to go to a heaven that's boring where you won't be married and you won't have any relationships? Right. And, and so I, that really challenged me to think, you know what, that, some people, some Christians' conception of heaven, and maybe this is because we don't teach on it enough, yeah, is just wrong, and it's not yeah. motivating at all. Yeah, agreed. So that's so. In this point, we're trying to give a, we're trying to paint a positive vision, an image of what heaven really is like, and to show people that hey, this is a desirable, and so we want to go into. You know, the Bible doesn't always give us uh, a ton of detail. 
about the afterlife and some of it is probably metaphorical mm -hmm. um, rather than literal, but we still can get a, a pretty grand picture um, of what heaven is about. Yeah, and a colorful picture. So you're going to use uh, Revelation 21, those first five verses, to sort of start, at least begin painting the picture for people right. in the sermon. Right. And the trick here in this point is this could become a long point. Yeah. And, and we have to, uh, for the sake of our timing and all the bigger picture of the message, there's a lot of things that we could say a lot more about, but we're going to hit them quick, quickly and move, move on. So we want to like use the cumulative force of like bang, bang, bang. Here's all these things and, and, and let that cumulative picture develop rather than going into super depth on any given one of those fact facets. Yeah. And so you're, you're kind of some of your bullet points under this then coming out of the revelation 21 is mm -hmm. number one, heaven's actually here on earth. Number right. two, heaven is free from sorrow and pain. And uh, number three, heaven is free from evil in every form i guess you say a fourth one is that we're going to be transformed in heaven right right now so and again physically and you, spiritually yeah. yeah this is where you could get into the weeds if you're not careful you got to watch mm -hmm. your time as a preacher because right. you know there's probably a million different rabbit trails you can go off on this uh, but you're saying you have to keep it tight keep it tight but the one thing i'm willing to spend just a, a little bit of time on is this could become going through these points could become a little bit academic. Mm. So like, oh, this isn't a lecture about the nature of heaven. And so for each one of those points, I'm going to try to find the connect with life on this earth a little bit. So the second one, heaven is free from sorrow and pain. So I'm going to ask my hearers just for a minute to reflect on the sorrow of the world. And, you know, perhaps you're feeling the weight of that today. Mm. And so, you know, there, there's going to be a life ahead that, that, you know, answers that. Or today, maybe, you're, maybe you've been subject to evil um, in this world. Maybe you've been exploited. Maybe you've been abused or, or a victim of violence or whatever. Um, there's a world awaiting where that will all be gone. So I just, I want to make sure that I touch the heart a little bit and not just do um, a lecture with a bunch of bullet points. Yeah, and if, if I'm looking at your notes and just thinking about preaching this myself, I'm thinking of it in terms of maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but maybe kind of three basic movements here. You're talking about it emotionally. You're talking about it um, physically, right? Mm -hmm. That it's going to yeah. be a physical place of beauty, not just some white scrubbed wall. Um, you know, the emotional that it's, you know, free of pain and sorrow mm -hmm. and sin and all that stuff. Yeah. And then third, and I think this is important because I think Christians misunderstand this is you're talking about it relationally. Right. So, that's, in the, that's the other major yeah. um, point of focus when we talk about the, the nature of heaven. Yeah. So walk us through that, because some people might even even in preaching, this might be a little bit confused about how to talk about relationships, because the Bible says that there won't be marriage in heaven. So I think for some people, they're like, oh, I don't really know what to say about it then relationally. Right. Well, I'm going to take it from the point of view that... Um, that God created us for relationships. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot to say about this. The background, we're not gonna, I'm not going to say all of it, in the, but the background of it biblically is that God said to Adam, it's not good that he be alone. So he mm. created a relationship. I'm not going to say that in the sermon, but that informs the sermon. Yeah. Um, but I am going to talk about how, hey, what Jesus said, and you know, quoting the Old Testament law, he said, here's God's best for you. Uh, love God, love people. The mm -hmm. two great commandments. 
Um, so if Jesus calls us to that in this life, why would that change in the next life, in the yeah, better life? Right, right. You know, so so you can you can extrapolate from God's best for us now to say, well, God's best for us in the perfect world without evil, without selfishness or sorrow, then then we would be loved a lot. We would love and be loved, but without selfishness without manipulation we'll know each other and actually love each other far more fully than we even can in this life because we'll be free from the limitations of sin and so forth um and so so it totally makes sense in terms of god what he said about his purposes for us that there will be relationships and we will know each other um in heaven yeah and i think that's important that'll be a real point of emphasis for me uh, because again i i don't want to <clears throat> I don't want to spend eternity without relationship. I don't, again, not to sound carnal, but if you think of heaven as standing around the throne of God, strumming a harp, you know, by yourself, you know, with like almost like a robot, not in relationship with anyone else. That's not, God is definitely at the center of the picture of heaven, but relationships are still an integral part of that. Right. It's, we're created for relationships. Yeah, that's right. And okay, we'll so talk that's... later about how heaven is really the culmination of God's good creation. So everything God created uh, us for will be fully realized in heaven. So that would include relationships as well. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so then you go on. Your third point then is you're, you're talking now about um, another fact. And you say that heaven is what we were made for. Where are you going in this point? Yeah, this is what I was just referring to. And um as you read the book of Revelation, you see that there's a connection between images that are raised in uh, the first two chapters, the first three chapters of Genesis in the original creation in the Garden of Eden that are lost because of sin, but that that are found again in uh, the book of Revelation. So in Revelation chapter 22, the first five verses there are three things in specific that hark back to the original creation. We see that in that picture of heaven, there's the tree of life. Well, that was in the Garden of Eden originally. We see that there's no longer a curse. Well, if you trace it back, the curse came in Genesis 3 as a result of human sin. So the curse was in the original creation, not in the original creation, but in the fallen uh, world uh, after the original creation. And then it shows us God's people in uh Revelation 22, 5, God's people reigning forever and ever. That goes back to God's original design for humanity in Genesis chapter 1. And so I'm going to try to connect the dots for people that say that heaven isn't an afterthought. Heaven's not just like a footnote, but mm. heaven is the restoration of what God set in motion in his perfect plan in the very beginning. It finally will happen. It'll happen in the new heavens and the new earth. Yeah, that's good. So, and I notice in your notes that this is a shorter point than point two. Mm -hmm. and, and so point two is definitely the one that you, again, as people out there, if you're going to be preaching this and customizing this, uh, just be aware of your timing of that. So this is, this is clearly a shorter point. And it, it seems to me, Ross, like you're setting up your last point, your, you know, point three and four are, are two sides of the same coin. In a right. Sense. So you say heaven is what you were made for is the fact and you're bringing Genesis and Revelation to bear on that. And then you finish with this this last fiction, which is that this world is your home. So walk us through that. Right. So you're right. There's there is a 
we're trying to achieve a sense of movement and, and especially in this last point to really bring it to application in terms of how the reality of heaven changes our life here and now. And so um, you could, if we were, if we were doing a different, if we weren't doing fact and fiction, we could say this world is not your home. Okay. But in mm -hmm. this format, we're saying the fiction is this world is your home. The idea is that the world is so tangible to us that it, for most people, it's the realest thing that they know mm. because we can experience it with our five senses. When we think of heaven, it doesn't seem as real uh, because it's left largely to our imagination. We read about it or, you know, but we don't experience it um, directly through our senses. And so it doesn't seem as real, but I want people to know biblically that as immediate and compelling as this present world is, it's really not ultimately where we belong. So it's kind of a corollary of, you know, we were made for heaven. And so as a result, then, you know, it would be a mistake to think that this world is our ultimate home. Yeah. In fact, you bring, uh, I like, I like what you say here in Philippians 3.20. It says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we're eagerly awaiting for him to return as our savior. And what you bring out in, at this last point is that it doesn't say that we will be citizens of heaven. It says that we are citizens of heaven. Right. And so what we talk a little bit about what citizenship means, but, but, but our citizenship affects how we live. If, if you're a citizen of the United States, then, and you travel abroad, you're outside of your homeland, that, that citizenship affects how you live. It affects what passport you carry. It affects, you know, how you conduct yourself and how you dress and, and, and all the rest. And so the same is true of our citizenship in heaven. We are citizens. And so what we're really trying to say in this whole series, really, is that what you believe about eternity determines how you're going to live today. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's the same way with heaven. If you, if you have a, a retirement home somewhere, if you have a piece of property that you're going to build on someday, um, that's going to affect how you live, you know, here and now you're going to make plans according, according to that future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you, you talk about at least three things here. You say that this just kind of on a practical note, you mm -hmm. say then that then therefore this affects the way we view our resources. It's the, it affects the way we view our suffering and it's the, it affects the way we view our life purpose. So we'll walk us through those just right. kind of real quick. And it's, it seems to me that these are just kind of your, practical bullet points for people to take right away. and these are these are practical they're also illustrative mm. so there's a lot more we could talk about but i thought well let's do if we do three of them they, they'll they'll get the idea you right know, that, that there's a connection we're trying to connect the dots for people okay so so number one um if you think this world is your home then you're going to spend all your money and resources on things that matter here mm. but if you realize that they heaven is your home you're going to spend your monetary resources on things that matter for eternity mm. if you think that this world is your home then that's how you're going to view suffering because this life inevitably brings suffering and if this world is where we belong then there's no real answer for that there's no hope wow. for that yeah that's good but if heaven is our home then you know we're going to look at the sufferings we have in this life we're going to look at those very differently ten thousand years into heaven it's a totally different perspective and the same thing with purpose. So if you think this world is your home, you're going to live for purposes that are rooted in this world, money, fame, comfort, whatever. But when you realize there's more, then you're going to live for purposes that are eternal. And, and especially, especially uh, 
for people, for people in their relationship with God. That's why we, that's why we want to help people pursue God because people are eternal and that changes our priorities. Yeah, that's really good. I like that practical ending. So Ross, then how do you conclude the sermon is, are you going to, I know in some of these sermons where we're specifically thinking about um, allowing, you know, sort of sharing the gospel at the end and connecting the dots for people and inviting people to receive Christ so that they can, uh, you know, be a part of this and have heaven in their future. Is that what you're going to do here or, or how are Not you? Not gonna... so much because I'm going to mention it because, because the next week's message is going to go into great depth on that. Yeah. And I know that, you know, half the people who hear this one are going to be there the next week, but mm. I am going to at least mention, say, Hey, next week, we're going to clarify who gets into heaven. And I hope you qualify because heaven matters, you know? Yeah. So, but what I want to, I want to kind of more talk to the person who is a citizen of heaven and say, you know, are you living for heaven or heaven is real. It's what you're made for. You're a citizen. Then, then are you living your life accordingly? Are you living your life in light of things that matter forever? Yeah, that's good. Well, Ross, thanks. This is going to be a great sermon. So the title is Heaven, Fact and Fiction. It's message three in the good place. And again, you can find uh, Ross's manuscript notes and, and uh, slides and other resources for this sermon. If you want to customize it and preach it at your church, you can find it all at PursueGodNetwork.org. Find it in our sermon library. Thanks, Ross. All right.